Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless refusing to give up. Alright, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast. I am Samantha Vitti, a fantasy analyst here at the Action Network. A quick little piece of housekeeping before I introduce our guest. We would absolutely love it if you could take the time to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts because each reviewer we call out on the show will receive a free Action Pro account for a year, a full year. So be sure to leave those awesome Apple Podcast reviews and keep listening to hear us shout you out. So today I am lucky to be joined by Ryan Hallam, who is the head of operations for Fanjections at Fantasy Alarm, doing all things MLB and NFL. And he is here with me today to talk part one of our rookie wide receiver discussion, NFC edition. Ryan, how are you? Doing great. We're uh, within 100 days of the NFL season. It's a you know, 12 month a, a year kind of thing now. The draft was a couple months ago, so we're getting close to you know draft season and and finding out what these guys are going to do. It is so weird to think that the draft was two months ago. Like, I feel like I was, I'm still physically and mentally recovering from Vegas. Uh, Vegas is not really my scene. So it, uh, it was, it was interesting. Uh, it was fun. It was really cool to get to see all these prospects uh, up close and personal, but uh, yeah. So we are going to kick off this little mini series talking about all of the rookies. Cause it's, you know, people are drafting, people are drafting at every time of the year. So but I, I think drafts are going to start picking up soon with, with summer coming up. And uh, there are so many wide receivers in this class that are really exciting. I would say I picked out about 13 and we can't cover all the 13 in one episode. So I have split them up into AFC, NFC. So we're going to start with the NFC. So the first wide receiver off the board was Drake London. Um, we know he was atop the Falcons draft board, of course. Uh, not necessarily the one that was projected to be the number one pick, but it's an interesting landing spot. Ryan, I would like to get your take on what you think of where he ended up on the Falcons. I mean, I think it's going to be good in the fact that there's not a lot of competition there. Obviously, you know, Kyle Pitts and then, you know, I bet you a lot of 
casual fantasy players can't name any of the wide receivers on the Falcons. Uh, so he's going to come in and he's going to get every chance. Is Marcus Mariota the best? No, that uh, no one thinks that. But he's not terrible. I mean, he in his a little bit of work he did for the Raiders actually didn't look too bad. He, you know, he can he can make plays extended with his legs. Uh, and, and Atlanta's kind of you know, starting over. I mean, it's the first year without Matt Ryan in a, in a very long time. So there are some question marks, but just the sheer volume of targets that are there for the taking. I like the prospects of, of, of London landing in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, the reality is when you're an early pick, you generally end up on teams that aren't super successful or haven't been super successful recently. Of these bad spots, though, I think to your point, uh, you know, Atlanta is a pretty good one of them. Uh, the quarterback situation's pretty suspect right now, but yeah, the there's very little competition. Cordero Patterson was, you know, their their best pseudo wide receiver at this point. I'm going to give them a B plus. Uh, what, what would you give them? I'm going to ask you um, from A to F. The landing. Yeah, I, I like that. That's uh, good. Like you said. I always say even bad teams score fantasy points. Like maybe not the Jets last year, but you know, everybody, there's, there's always some yards <laughs> Everyone to but be the had. Jets. <laughs> <laughs> there's always some yards to be had and it can only call so much can go to pits. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think Atlanta is, is better than people are giving this credit for. Yeah. I mean, they also lost Russell Gage during free agency. So I think that'll be cool. He's an exciting prospect. He's got that kind of basketball stature at six, four two nineteen. Speaking of that, uh, what wideouts would you compare London to now? I'm thinking someone in the same division, Mike Evans, kind of 6'5", 231, like that build, which is a really high praise, I think. Um, but I don't know if you had any ideas um, to like a present or previous receiver that you think of. The funny thing is I had the exact same person. Um, and, you know, obviously we're giving the best case scenario. It's not like we're saying he's going to come in and be Mike Evans. You know, we're, we're more saying he might have a similar game and hope to be Mike Evans. The other one I was kind of thinking of was Mike Williams uh, of the Chargers, you know, kind of a big down the field threat, tall guy, you know, makes 50-50 balls, you know, a little more in his favor. Uh, so since you took Mike Evans, I'll take Mike Williams. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, that kind of brings us into – what do you think their fantasy potential is in year one? Now, uh, London is coming off of that fractured ankle that happened kind of halfway through his college season last year. I don't know how much that's going to impact him because he did have to set out combine drills, but I expect him to be ready. It's not like it was the end of the season and it's not an ACL. So um, I'm thinking, you know, like if all the stars were to align properly, I'm thinking in that high end wide receiver two upside, but like more like a wide receiver three, more likely. Did you take my notes? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yes, I said the same thing. Uh, have a fantasy relevant role in the wide receiver three range. You know, 70 catches would be a really nice season. You know, 900 yards-ish or so. Uh, and with his big body around the goal line, you know, if he came out with five, six, seven touchdowns, I don't think I would be surprised at all, even if he topped that a little bit. Yeah, love it. Uh, I also don't think that he's going to take away from Kyle Pitts or anything like that. I actually think it'll it'll help take some of the attention away from Pitts. Um, last question. Do you buy or sell London at his current ADP of wide receiver 40? This is a current, according to Fantasy Pros, half PPR ADP. Yeah, I think given the fact that we both just called him wide receiver three, I think, yeah, wide receiver 40, I'm definitely definitely in on, on London right now. I am all in on him as well. All right, that is our first one. Um, on to Chris Olave. 
of the Saints. So Olave was actually one of my favorite prospects in the draft. Like a lot of people that watch tape and stuff said that he had one of the most polished route trees and just he could have been maybe one of the most talented receivers in this class, um, just kind of overall. Saints obviously traded up for him. What do you think of the landing spot? It's kind of an enigma, right? With without Drew Brees, a lot of turnover in that in that system. We've got famous Jameis under center. He's coming off of an injury. So how do you rate the landing spot for Olave? I got to say C minus. I just there's just so many unknowns. Like you said, no Drew Brees, no Sean Payton. What's the world's going on with Winston or Andy Dalton behind him? What's going to be Michael Thomas when he comes back? What's going on with Alvin Kamara and his legal trouble? I mean, there's it's just everything about the Saints is is up in the air right now. So it's could he come in and be a favorite target and and be really good? Absolutely. Could he you know, not see the field that much because he's kind of not the best run blocker and, you know, blocking as much as it's not a fantasy stat, it does count for you being on the field. Uh, yeah. I think that there's just the array of possibilities for him to me is, is probably the greatest of any rookie, you know, taken in the first couple of rounds. Yeah. I pretty much went with a B, but like it could be an A and it really could be like an F because it's your point. Kamara, we have no idea if he's going to be suspended. Thomas didn't play all of last year. Don't know what he looks like. I mean, obviously the last time we saw him, he was an all pro receiver, but that that's been a couple of years now. And now he's almost 30, I believe. Um, so, I mean, that's certainly uh, concerning on that level. There's not a lot of competition if we take those two guys out, but who knows? I mean, six foot 187, that puts him a little bit undersized. Like I would like him to gain a little bit of weight, put on a little bit of weight, maybe be a little more physical to uh, uh, go, go up against press coverage. But uh, that's kind of my sort of assessment of him. Um, speaking of his build, I personally think that he maybe profiles pretty closely to Terry McLaurin, another Ohio state receiver, um, six foot two Oh eight sub four forty. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? I would say if you pick the same player again, I was going to be amazed. I went with Brandon cooks. Yeah. yeah kind of the, the ability to, to hit the home run for sure. Not the tallest guy. Uh, you know, a lot of the same attributes, uh, right? He's probably a better route runner than cooks, but uh, that's the kind of the guy that I kind of came up with there. Yeah. All right. So give me one prediction for Olave's kind of year one, either upside floor, median outcome, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to go median outcome because, like I said, there are just so many, so many unknowns with New Orleans. 55 catches, you know, seven, 800 yards, a few touchdowns. Uh, I, I guess, you know, when there's this many question marks, I, I think I'm going to play the conservative end and, and shoot low and hope yeah. for the for better. You know, if everything were to go right, because I think he has so much talent and it's really exciting. And the Saints are a good organization. Like he's not getting drafted by Jacksonville or something like that. I mean, even though you could argue that Jacksonville has more like solidified talent there, especially at the quarterback's position. Um, But yeah, I mean, like maybe wide receiver three upside, but like more likely lower just because I just don't know where he fits. Now, if we start to see that like Thomas is not ready for camp or or something like that, then I'm going to really boost him up significantly higher. I also think like they could play pretty well in complementary roles. Olave has more of that like stretch the field type speed. Um, so, I mean, I want him to work out. I think it's more of a dynasty play, though, at this point. Um, so buy or sell Olave at his current redraft ADP of wide receiver 45. Today, I'm going to say I'm not buying. But you, like you said, 
when we get into you know training camp and, and preseason games, I think he has a chance to see his ADP change wildly in, in either direction when we start to get a few more answers to their questions. So yeah, uh, the realm of possibility is certainly there. Things could go very well for the Saints. Uh, we will see if they do. And and so right now I'm not in on him, but uh, definitely up for uh, for changing my mind as we see more. Yeah, it's it's like right there. I actually think like Olave, like 45 for Olave is pretty appropriate at this point. Like I feel like at that point in the draft, you're kind of like taking swings for the fences maybe. And, you know, he could definitely pan out if a lot of things happen. But as of right now, it's a little bit of a risky play. All right. On to our next wide receiver. That would be Jameson Williams, an Alabama receiver, though, uh, did start at Ohio State. He went to the Lions. Um, I don't know if you saw all of the memes that came out of his face or reaction, probably taken out of context at the draft, but he looked miserable. Okay. <laughs> like after getting taken by the Lions. And I mean, you you got to feel it for the guy. You got to understand it, obviously, with golf and the Lions not being a winning franchise in a while. Um, so do they get like an automatic F when it comes to letting spot for receivers for you? No, I think the Lions could be improving. I mean, they've had a ton of high picks lately. I know Goff isn't very good, but he's not hes not as bad as Twitter would have you believe he is. Twitter will have you believe that Jared Goff is the worst quarterback that's ever taken the field for as long as creation. I mean, he, he did make the Super Bowl. Uh, he has some arm talent. Uh, you know, his decision-making certainly questionable. I'm not sitting here telling you that I'm a Jared Goff fan. But also the Lions are behind basically all the time. Uh, so, and Goff does have an arm. He can chuck the ball around. Uh, and this kid has some huge big play potential. I don't think this is the worst landing spot in the world. I, I think, yeah, the Lions are bad. They always find a way to mess things up. But, uh, you know, they, they do score some points. Like I am rooting for the Lions, if only to make Thanksgiving football more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Twitter, if you look at Twitter, you would think that Jared Goff is the same quarterback as like Nathan Peterman. Um, now that said, he has only, um, you know, produced a 1000 receiving yard season um, once in his career. That was Brandon Cooks in 2018. It can happen. And to your point, if they're if they're behind a lot, he could be throwing a lot. I don't know if I want to see Jared Goff throw that much, but uh, I'm going to give that a B minus. Like it's not as bad as it seems. And <laughs> I, I just I, I had the, the picture in my face of just him looking like he just you know <laughs> has to go have a root canal or something. <laughs> um, but I mean, so he's a guy that is coming off of the torn ACL right in the championship game against Georgia. So that is something that you're going to have to consider when we're going into drafts. Um, you know, conservatively, he's missing four to six games at, at least, I think. Um, just kind of like with the timeline, it's probably around 10 to 11 months based on the average recovery for receivers. So that kind of puts us almost midseason. Um you know, so that that's definitely something to take into account. But, you know, so he did not run at the combine or anything like that, but he does have four, three speed. Uh, he expects to make a full recovery. I saw him talk at the and he was like, I'm going to be ready for camp. I don't know if that's just player talk, but he says he's going to be ready for camp. Um, in terms of player comp, who do you have? I'm going to let you go first this time. OK, I you know, obviously you're looking for someone with big play, but I think I'm going to go with Hollywood Brown, but I'm going to say a better Hollywood Brown. Like, I think at his best, he can be better. Like Brown is just one of the more inconsistent guys in the league. And we'll see 
if it was, you know, Lamar Jackson and his inaccuracy or if it was Brown. Uh, but that's the kind of a guy that he kind of reminded me of. But I still think I think his ceiling is higher than what Brown is. I like that comparison a lot. Um, I'm going to go with Will Fuller kind of in that same vein of like big play, but kind of can be boomer bust. I, I don't know. Like uh, I hope that he, you know, ends up being a really consistent receiver, but yeah, he, he kind of reminds me of that explosiveness kind of similar build. Will Fuller's a little bit smaller, but um, I, I hope, you know, he's a, he's a healthier Will Fuller. <laughs> we can, we can yeah, only hope. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, a fantasy potential. Give me a prediction. You can give me either like a dynasty prediction longer term or this year since, you know, he may miss like six games this year. Yeah, I mean, for him, it's going to depend, I would say, on your roster size, really. I mean, if you have like three bench spots in fantasy football, you're probably not going to want this guy. You're going to be sitting around for all. If you have six, eight bench spots, he could be another word that the Internet loves, a league winner down the stretch. Uh, you know, I knew you were going to go he, there. <laughs> if he can come back. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. You know, you come in as a rookie, you, have, you know, he's not going to have OTAs. He's not going to have preseason. You know, the time that you, you form the bond with your quarterback and your teammates and everything. But his talent, I think, is, is immense. And if he can hit the ground running, I think he can have a big impact down the stretch. So, you know, if he misses six weeks, can, can he still have 45 catches, you know, five, six touchdowns? I think there's, a, there's an absolute possibility that this guy's going to help you a lot in the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's really worth like hazarding a guess for his like season long total at this point, because I just don't know like how long. But, you know, like week to week, he might be a guy that once he comes back and once he's healthy can put up those weekly wide receiver two numbers because he really is that explosive. Um, they don't have a ton of depth there. They've got TJ Hawkinson and Amon Ross St. Brown as pass catchers and DeAndre Swift, if you count him. But otherwise, it's pretty lean out there. Um, RIPB Amon Ross St. Brown truthers, <laughs> by the way, out there that are just like we're dying to make that a thing this this season. Um, so buy or sell Williams at his redraft ADP of wide receiver 58. Based again, I'm going to say the, the you know caveat is your bench size. Uh, but, you know, in the right league, I'm, I'm absolutely buying him. Like, I, I really think that this kid can come in and, and make an impact kind of like St. Brown down the stretch last year where he was putting up huge games, you know, game after game after game, different, obviously different type of player. Uh, but I think he could have similar, you know, production in say November and December. I agree. You know, and it's just about your roster construction, right? Like managing the the amount of risk that you have. Like if you have, if you have a, a spot where you know you can, take that kind of chance. I, I think that that's definitely worth it. Williams is a guy that doesn't have like a ton of college tenure to back it up, but he had like an amazing year, one amazing year. And I think that had he not torn his ACL, he would have been like the hands down number one. So he's definitely a guy, especially like in redrafts, like that you really want, especially in dynasty, sorry, that you really want to get your hands on. All right. On to Dotson. So he was a little bit of a shocker going this early in the draft. So the background here is that actually like Mel Kuyper deemed this guy as the, the wide receiver one a while back. And then since then, he's kind of fallen off the, the draft boards. He had a draft position over under 31.5. So that put him like right on the bubble of the first round. And he ended up going 16th overall to the, to the commanders. Um, I, I mean, I have like two questions for you. Do you think that the commanders reached and how do you, what do you think about the commanders as a landing spot for Dotson? Yeah, I definitely think they reached, especially in this draft of, of just wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver. Certainly, like you said, he wasn't the next one people were expecting off the board. 
As for the landing spot, if there's one quarterback that the fantasy football landscape hates, possibly equal with Jared Goff, it's Carson Wentz. Uh, and again, there's another guy I think gets a bum rap. Is he great? Not at all. Poor decision making? Also true. Uh, but he, he's got an arm. He's, you know, he's more accurate than Jared Goff. I think he's a better quarterback. He's better than Haneke. I, I can guarantee you that. Uh, so I think that Washington is going to be a slightly improved offense. We'll see, you know, and outside of McLaurin and Logan Thomas, again, I, I urge some of the people watching this to name another, you know, Washington wide receiver. I'm sure some of them can, but, you know, there's a lot out there who probably can't tell you the next guy in the team. So, and he's another guy who at least comes in with the possibility of, of being a part of the game plan on a weekly basis right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. In terms of Wentz, I mean, I, I tried to make a case for him. Like, I really, really did. His yards per attempt were just like, it, it was not great uh, last year. So hopefully, you know, maybe the change of scheme, ever change of scenery, everything will do something for him. I mean, obviously, he's just kind of like a one-year holdover for until they kind of figure things out. Um, but to your point, I mean, there's just not that much uh, competition. I mean, we've got Thomas, like Logan Thomas, who's one of their best pass catchers, ended up being hurt a lot of the year. He's kind of been dealing with, with stuff. Curtis Samuel, who's someone they went out and got last year, ended up playing like absolutely no games. Um, so it's really just Terry McLaurin and Diami Brown would be the next one, right? I think on, on that depth chart. Um, JD McKissick, actually, uh, the team's second best receiver last year. So I think, uh, you know, with his build, he's kind of in that sub six foot range with his build, he'll probably end up playing a little bit more inside. So maybe siphon some of those McKissick targets away from their game plan. Um, so speaking of which, who comes to mind when you think of a Dotson? I went with Tyler Boyd of the Bengals, you know, kind of a smaller guy, slot receiver, kind of over the middle. Uh, I think Boyd is bigger, uh, and we'll see if Dotson can can take a, a, you know a few shots from a linebacker over the middle. But Boyd was the kind of guy who came to mind for me. It's funny because you start you said Tyler, and I was like, oh my god, Ryan read my notes. I went with Tyler Lockett at five ten. Wood 82, kind of similar uh, speed profile and, and vertical jump and athleticism. So that's kind of where I went. But I was like, oh, my God, if, if we ended up with the same player, that's that's just ridiculous. Um, all right. Give me a prediction about Dotson year one for fantasy, because like you said, he unlike some of these other guys that may need to either prove themselves or re- require some kind of injury or something like that. Dotson could be a guy that's, you know, out there on day one. Could be. Uh, I don't have huge hopes for the Washington offense, so I'm not going to go too high here. He's another guy I'm figuring maybe in the 50 catch range. Maybe that might even be a little too high. Uh, you know, six, 650 yards, a few touchdowns. Uh, don't have the highest hopes that he's going to come in and have a huge fantasy impact right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, it's the stature. It's, it's the quarterback for me. It's the whole offense for me. He's got an easy path to targets, like I mentioned, but... I, you know, he's a guy that may float around as like a, a flex option, especially during like bye weeks. Like he could probably end up as like the wide receiver 36 that week. But I don't think that he's, you know, going to be a consistent type guy that you want to be rostering unless you're in like, you know, the deepest of leagues. I have a 16 team league personally, so <laughs> he will definitely get drafted. Um, yes. Buy or sell Dotson at his current ADP of wide receiver 74. But like you said before, when you're talking in the wide receiver 50, I mean, you're just taking swings at this point. So, I mean, sure. He's a, he's a first round NFL pick. 
you know, has a, a decent pedigree in college, has a, has a, you know, path to targets. Yeah. I, I, you know, who else is a wide receiver 74? We're really starting to stretch now. I mean, I, I, this is a little side note, but I'm curious, like, at, you know, when you're drafting, especially like, when we looked at these prospects before the draft kind of in a vacuum versus now we see where they ended up also like maybe like the fact that the the commanders did reach for him like does that play any kind of role like do you think like oh they obviously thought highly of him maybe they see something different maybe he fits our scheme really well or something like that or does that not really play too too much uh like like basically like would you have rated him lower if the commanders had taken him at 30. Yeah, probably. I think the fact that, they, you know, they took him where they did, uh, I think definitely plays into the fact, like you said, they they must see something. Uh, so um, has Washington made the best choices every time? Absolutely not. So, you know, maybe they saw this just because they saw something doesn't mean it's right. So, you know, that's why, you know, people who are drafting now are a little crazy. Uh, you like to at least see some stuff before you start, you know, especially if you're doing it for money. You don't be drafting and people draft before the draft. Forget about it. But that's a whole nother I show. Know. <laughs> um, so that, you never know. Yes. You hope that that gives them a little more, you know, the use a really high draft pick on them and, and not that that always equals success, but yeah, it equals the fact that you think they're going to give him uh, every opportunity to be successful. Yeah. I mean, there are some organizations where if someone goes out on a limb and kind of draft someone higher i'm like oh they must be playing 3d chess like they've got some galaxy brain stuff going on maybe bill belichick comes to mind something like that i don't necessarily give that benefit of the doubt to the commanders but you know we'll 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 see uh you know at that point when you're investing that kind of draft capital it almost feels like it's like you have to use the guy and and see see what's out there so um at least that will probably mean that he'll be utilized a little more All right. Moving on to someone kind of in an opposite sort of situation, that would be Christian Watson, the first wide receiver taken in the second round. Good Packers fashion, not taking a wide receiver in the first round, but they, you know, Watson's got glimmers of first round talent. He's a guy that has, you know, the pedigree. His father was drafted by the Packers back in 1993. His brother was an All-American linebacker for Maryland. He's got like a really great build, um, 6'4", 208 pounds. Uh, He's super athletic, uh, sub 440, 4440. His negative is kind of being that he comes from a smaller school where we just don't have as good of a read on how that translates to the NFL. So um, in terms of the Packers, like does it get much better than landing on the Packers for landing spots? Uh, Because I'm going to give them an A+. plus. Yeah, I agree. I'm just... I couldn't get past where he said his father was drafted in 1993 and I was a sophomore in high school and <laughs> really, really, really old. Uh, yes. I think a, a plus for sure. I mean, I kind of would have liked it better if Devonte Adams was still there. Maybe it would have been an a plus plus then, you know, someone to mentor him and take a lot of defensive pressure away from him. Uh, but there's really no other wide receiver there to, to speak of. That's really that great. And you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, as much of a jerk as people might think he is. He's still a talented quarterback. Uh, He's been dying for a wide receiver to be drafted for four or five years now. Uh, So you have to think that he's going to come in and want to make this kid successful. Uh, So I think this was an absolute home run uh, landing spot for, for Watson. 
Yeah, I mean, at that point, I almost would rather go in the second round than than go yes. to one of these like worst teams, right? And and like maybe not reach my full potential because I had to catch passes from Carson Wentz. But yeah, I mean, to your point, it's an MVP quarterback. Uh, Adams, that that whole situation, like, yeah, there's going to be a million targets to go around, but I'm not sure that that's necessarily beneficial to a guy that's that early in the career, especially with that kind of learning curve that, that we may see coming from North Dakota State. So if they also lost MBS, so there's just going to be a million targets to go around. Um, they've got, uh, what is it, Lazard, Cobb, mm-hmm. and Amari Rogers, who we didn't see anything of last year. Uh, was he a third rounder? or I believe he something was, like, yeah. Yeah, third round. So like that was kind of interesting that they like really didn't use him except in kind of like punt returns. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of build that rapport very quickly with Rogers because I kind of feel like I, I'm not going to say he's a jerk or anything, but he can be prickly in terms of like personality wise. That's, that's, that's a nice way of saying it. That's a very uh, educated way to call him a jerk. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, he has this very clear path to being the number one wideout. He pro- probably just have to prove himself a little bit. But um, in terms of fantasy potential, kind of where does that where where do you land with that? Like, do you just assume he's going to make that connection and come out there and be a wide receiver one or? What do you think? I mean, I, you know, not a fantasy wide receiver one, but I think yeah. on, on the team for sure. Yeah. I mean, like you said, he went to a small st- school, so there is the the potential there of, of obviously a much better competition. And how will that translate but when you're six four two oh eight and you run a four point three six forty? I mean, that's going to undo a lot of evils, uh, the competition. I mean, he's still just going to be bigger than a lot of people out there. I mean, uh, so while they might be more talented corners, he's still going to be have a height and, and just weight advantage on a lot of guys. So, yeah, I think I have him as the guy I have the most hope for uh, in fantasy this year, as far as these rookie wide receivers. So, yeah, even though he went in the second round and was probably what the seventh or eighth wide receiver off the board, the landing spot to me and the size and the speed, I'm the most intrigued for him coming into the year. So if he broke a thousand yards, eight touchdowns, you know, 70, 75 catches, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of like redraft, he feels like one of the favorite redraft receivers because, you know, like if you if you take a chance on a guy like Williams, who could end up being the best career guy, you're going to miss six games this year. So for for this year, I mean, yeah, we could see him in that two uh, wide receiver, two, three range if he really does hit it off with Rodgers. You mentioned his build. He's obviously going to create those defensive mismatches, which is going to be great. I actually struggled to find someone as a player comp that is that tall, that big, and that fast. I mean, he ran a four three six forty, has like an almost forty inch vertical. I really only landed on T Higgins, and even that's not a really great one because he's just not like he's much faster than T Higgins. So I don't know so where where did you land? Faster <laughs> T Higgins. I'm not joking. I literally wrote a faster T Higgins in my notes. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, Yes, that was legitimately what I wrote down. Well, I'm really glad great minds think alike there. Um, (laughs) All right, finally, buy or sell Watson at his current ADP of wide receiver 56. Absolutely. Uh, All all day long, I'm hitting that. If he falls that far, I I don't think that there's there's anyone around there that has the potential of of what he can do. Can he bust? Absolutely. Uh, But I think he's got, he goes into it looking real good. Yeah, I mean, in terms of landing spot, like you got to think that it's like between him and Sky Moore and maybe Traylon Burks for the top landing spots, especially with A.J. Brown gone. 
But um, I mean, th- he is a d- definite good chance to finish as like the top rookie wide receiver this year, just because of kind of his circumstances. So he is one of my favorites. I am so in at above uh, wide receiver 56. All right. Finally, we are going to finish with a guy in a kind of different situation. That's going to be <laughs> Wandale Robinson. So we talked about another NFC East team fearing off course a little bit. And same thing kind of happened here with the Giants. I was really surprised to, to see them take Robinson at 43 overall. They traded down twice and then kind of ended up with him. He is a undersized running back wide receiver hybrid. I believe the couple of years um, before he was at Kentucky, I think he was at Nebraska. He played like half of his snaps at running back. He's, he's a small guy. He's 5'8", 178. So he's he's a really profiles like a like an inside receiver. Um, the Giants, I mean, it's 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 not the best landing spot. I'm gonna give them a, I'm gonna give them a C here. Uh, where do you where do you land in terms of landing spot? Yeah, I, I think to me this is kind of like the Saints. It's just so much up in the air. Is Daniel Jones legit, or is is he just gonna bust out? Is the offensive line gonna get any better? You know. How long until Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Tony are hurt? I mean, can you know can Jones even get him the ball? Can he get separation from from bigger guys? Uh, can he stay on the field at five foot eight? Like, there's a lot of lot of questions around him. the the player, the talent. I think is there. Uh, you know, I think he's a great route runner. Uh, that he's agile, fast, quick. You know, good hands, good football IQ. Can burn. You know, he's got speed to burn. This was not a good spot for him to land. Uh, I think this offense is going to be sporadic to be nice. Um, But, I mean, if those three guys do get hurt or two of those three guys get hurt, especially obviously Sterling Shepard because you think he'd be coming out of the slot or the backfield, he could have a lot of opportunity, uh, you know, within four, you know, three, four weeks into the season. So we'll see. This is another one where, you know, the range of possibilities are, are pretty great. Yeah, no, I totally agree in terms of range of possibilities here. I mean, so last year, the Giants traded, uh, reached for Kadarius Tony rather, at the end of the first round. Definitely another guy that was kind of a peculiar pick at that at that sort of position. Um, Tony plays a ton of slots, so does Shepard and, you know, a couple of other those guys do line up in the slot as well. So it is confusing. It's like it's like a crowded receiving core, but no one's really great because it's yeah, Tony Galladay, Slayton, Shepard. Um, who knows what combination of those guys will ever be healthy? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I am concerned about his size, that kind of durability in this league. Like, what is what does that mean in terms of also like what routes he can run? So um, he's he's definitely not one of the ones I'm most excited about. Uh, who do you think of? when you think of Robinson in terms of player comparison? Well, we went faster T Higgins. So on this one, I'm going to go. And again, to start out, like we said on the first one, this is not what he's going to be, but a comparable size build kind of skill set would be a slower Tyree kill, you know, a short guy, he's got speed, you know, he can take a 10 yard pass and take it 70 yards. Um, but he's not, I mean, Tyree kill is just a video game speed. He's on a whole nother level. So uh, not going to say he's anywhere near his capabilities, but uh, that uh, a slower Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, he ran a 4.4440. So, I mean, he's kind of in that not, he's fast, but not that 
fast, like, and he's not going to create that, that much separation. Um, I picked a smaller Golden Tate. I don't, I don't know if that, if that's a really good one, but uh, yeah, Golden Tate's a little bit taller, pretty similar sort of athleticism profile. So that's kind of where I was thinking also maybe I think you have like Giants thing. A potential like role along the lines of Curtis Samuel we were talking about for Washington, not that he's seen the field in two years either, <laughs> but I think they could use him in that kind of way. I just don't, I didn't pick him because the one, he hasn't played in two years, two, they're built differently, but so like, slower Tyree kill with a Curtis Samuel role. How about that? That's, an, that's what I'm cooking up now. Fair enough. Yeah, no, the Giants did some good things in the first round. This was uh, just a little bit of an interesting second round pick. Um, give me a prediction about Robinson's year one fantasy. Boy, this could be 15 catches or it could be 65 catches. Like I, there's no way to know how much he's going to play. Uh, I'll be really generous and say he's going to play a lot and give him 55 catches. 600 yards and a, and a couple touchdowns could be much less could, you know, everything aligns. It could be more. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty pessimistic about him. I, I would say he just offers such little upside catching passes from Jones. It's an abysmal, albeit crowded offense. Like it's some kind of like weird clown car of a bunch of guys that are very underwhelming and often injury prone. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, like he could end up with, especially, you know, I will, I will note this, like Kadarius Tony has been mentioned as a potential trade a target or some guy that they may put out on the block. So if he ends up on a different team or something like that, I could see maybe him ending up taking over that slot role, but you know, with Kadarius Tony rostered, I'm, I'm not really optimistic about him so i'm really gonna say next to none i think you should leave him out there uh he should go undrafted and unless he starts to you know pop off in the first few weeks you can probably leave him on the waiver wire too um for adp he is not even listed among the top 116 receivers on fantasy pros adp as a recording this podcast is that pretty much how you're going into it going into drafts this summer yeah, he's not someone that I'm really uh, interested in, in, you know, drafting. Someone you, you keep an eye on the preseason, like you said, see if Tony gets traded, see, if, you know, Jones looks better, or, you know, Sterling Shepard, you know, tears his Achilles for the 14th time or whatever, then then <laughs> things can change. But uh, yeah, today, as of today, uh, not someone that I'm going to draft, you know, got to get that Wandale Robinson before I leave the draft. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I want you, now that we've finished our six receivers, I want you to give me maybe your top three for redraft and top three for dynasty. Of these six guys? Yes, of these six guys. Just okay. I'm going to go with, you know, I'm going to go with the same guys for both. I'm going to go Watson, London, and, and Williams. I, I just, those three to me are a significant step ahead of the other three. Uh, you know, the smaller slot guys, you know, I, I don't usually focus on as much, you know, I, yes. In PPR leagues, obviously they can, they can rack up a lot of points, uh, but you know, a lot of fantasy bread is buttered with touchdowns. And, and I think these guys with, with the other three have a much better upside for touchdowns and big plays. So those are my top three. Yeah. I would just maybe swap Williams and Watson for redraft and dynasties to say Williams would be my top dynasty pick, even though he's probably going to miss a bunch of games. Um, so it'd be Williams, uh, London, Watson, then Watson, London, Williams for redraft. Um, all right, cool. Well, Ryan, it has been wonderful to have you on 
the fantasy flex. That'll do it for today's episode of NFC wide receiver rookies. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to come by and talk to us on the show. Uh, please let us know where everyone can find you this off season and beyond. Well, I work for fantasy alarm right now. I'm doing some baseball work. I have an injury article for those of you who play fantasy baseball twice a week on Mondays and Fridays. And for the last few years, I've done a wide receiver cornerback breakdown each and every week for season long and DFS perspective, along with uh, five of my favorite DFS picks at different salary levels. So uh, imagine I'll be doing that again this year. Awesome. I love the wide receiver cornerback stuff. I know that I ask you for stuff all the time, <laughs> those matchups every single week. I'll be like, is this person going to shadow this person or where's this person going to line up today? So it is really cool that you are doing all that legwork for me. Um, awesome. Thank you again for coming on. Everyone, do not forget to rate and review our podcast for a chance to get a free pro account. And we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex. Peace out, y'all.